I want to begin with paying homage to the Buddha. Otasa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambutasa Bhutang Tamang Sankang Namasami So uh, we're coming towards the end of June and July 4th is coming up, which is a big day in America. And it's also the full moon of July, which is a big day in monasteries. Yes. So, yeah. So, 4th of July this year is a, is a big day for us in, a, in the monastery as well as the, the American Independence Day. And uh, the full moon of July is Asala Puja, and it's the, it's the um, commemoration of the day that the Buddha gave the first teaching that was understood. So the, the first turning of the wheel of Dhamma. So it's a very special day for all of us, really. And it's kind of wonderful that we still, you know, we, that we have a day, even though we can't say for sure, yes, Buddha was teaching on that day, you know. But still, there's a day that every year we, we recollect that uh, event where this man who'd, who'd struggled for so many years to find the freedom that he knew was possible um, and he didn't stop until he found just the right way. And then, you know, once, and then he gained full enlightenment and, and dwelt for some time in the bliss of enlightenment and then went off to teach, spread the Dharma. And, and, and we know that the um, story goes that he wasn't immediately enthusiastic about teaching that at first he wanted to just quietly meditate and enjoy the insight that he'd had and and just rest in that bliss of enlightenment and uh, there was a request from the uh, Brahma God Sahampati please out of compassion to, to beings those with little dust in their eyes please teach the Dhamma so he yeah, he's, the story goes that he set off walking along the road and he met somebody and the first person he met was uh, you know, just another, maybe another wanderer, another person walking the road and, and this person was impressed by his countenance, his radiance and his, his um, serenity and uh, asked him who he was and who his teacher was. And he said, I actually don't remember the exact words, but he said something like, I am the, you know, I, I have no teacher, I am the enlightened one, I am the supreme one, or something like this. And, 
And the man was like, oh yeah, okay, have a nice day. And, and went off, turned off down a different street. And so that wasn't a successful first uh, transmission. So then he uh, thought about who, he, who would be best to teach, who, who would be ready to understand the teachings. He thought of uh, that first one meditation master who was adept in the jhanas and he um, used his psychic powers to see like where is he now and he found that he had died just uh, just shortly before so he'd missed the opportunity to receive his teaching. He thought about the other jhana master who he practiced under in, during his endeavors towards enlightenment and, and uh, he had died just the night before so both of these great teachers missed the opportunity to meet the Buddha and hear the teachings from him. And then he remembered the five ascetics who he'd lived with and practiced with for years and went to the deer park and uh, where they were living and saw them and uh, approached them with a wish to share his insight with them because he felt that they may understand. And you know the story is that they they uh, saw him coming and and didn't want to receive him because they thought of him as a slacker, you know, who's given up the ascetic life for the life of comfort, and wasn't worthy of their respect. So they were like, no, we won't set up a seat for him. We won't welcome him. And then as he approaches them, he's so beautiful that they can't help themselves. You know, they can see it and they welcome him and they give him water and. And uh, and then at some point during this time together, he he teaches them the the middle way, the path between the two extremes, and uh, the four noble truths, the the path to liberation. And as he's giving this teaching, one of those five, Kondanya, understands deeply, deeply understands, and, and realizes stream entry. So in that moment of Kondanya realizing stream entry, the, the wheel of Dhamma begins turning. And, uh, and then, as we know, the Buddha carried on teaching and more and more people gained insight and understood and gained various levels of awakening through the teaching and the practice. And in those days, it seemed like people were very right for that teaching, so they were getting enlightened all over the place. These days, we have to work harder much, much harder. And we don't have a Buddha to uh, shine the way in, in, in person. Now we do have his teachings and, and uh, can bring up a, a sanya, a sense of, uh, like a perception of the Buddha can be really uplifting, very beautiful. Just to know, of, you know somebody like this lived and, and uh, walked and taught and spent time with people and cared about uh, people's awakening. So Asala Puja, the full moon of July, which is the 4th of July, is the day to celebrate that event. And that, and that wheel of Dhamma is still turning to this day, which is an amazing thing. And um, we were chanting the Dhamma Chakka Pawatana Sutta yesterday, which is the sutta that tells that story of the Buddha teaching the five ascetics. And a line that jumped out at me, at me was... Uh, 
where it's where the, the devas are calling out to each other they're all celebrating the fact that the buddha's enlightened and that the that kundanya has heard the teaching and uh, and then it says the the this the wheel of dharma was set in motion and cannot be stopped by any any being not by human beings not by devas not by anyone in any realm these teachings, the, the, the turning of the wheel of Dhamma cannot be stopped. So nobody can make it stop, which is kind of wonderful. But of course, like all things, it will stop at one time, at one point. So it's not um, not in danger of being you know, shut down. If, if somebody has insight, you can't take that away. If somebody has a calling to practice, you can't stop them from doing it. They're going to find a way. And uh, and it can't be stopped, but it but it it can, it, it can demise, and uh, there will be a time when it ends. And uh, it's through negligence, you know, through not taking care of the dharma, not uh, practicing the dharma, not studying the dharma, not listening to the dharma, not discussing the dharma. Not uh, reflecting on the Dhamma, you know, this is through neglecting these things that, that it starts to wane. So we can experience that in our own lives, you know, it can, if we're not really taking care of it, we're, then we're busy with the 10,000 things of the world, which are always calling and pulling at us, then it starts to wane in our own heart and mind. And, and then when we pay attention to it and take care of it, then it gets strong and clear and we see it in everything, because it is everywhere. The Dhamma is, you know, everything is teaching the Dhamma all the time. <laughs> you know, this body that we're with every moment of every day is teaching the Dhamma all the time. So, you know, the, the forest that we live in is constantly teaching the Dhamma. Everything around us is teaching the Dhamma. When I drink a, a glass of water, there's Dhamma in the glass of water, in the drinking. external water element becomes internal water element for a while you know so there's the teaching of impermanence of not self of of, um, of dukkha that we can't hold on to anything is, is always here always with us and so it's just a case of remembering not just but it's very important to just to remember actually just to remember to remember to remember that the Dhamma is right here teaching all the time. So uh, it's easy to get lost in the thoughts. You know, we have our, our personalities, which are always a little kind of inconvenient. And they kind of knock up against other people's personalities or they get drawn to other people's personalities. And, you know, those are the, in a way like the clothing that we wear during this life to have to appear in some way, shape or form. And uh, and then there's the the deeper wisdom or knowing or dhamma or truth that is seen and understood and heard when we still our body and mind when we settle and when we remember to look in in the right way. And you know, in the monastery, we surround ourselves with reminders. The robe is a reminder. Shaving our head regularly is a reminder. 
behind me is Buddha and Mahabharata, these are reminders. And they're in the library, surrounded by Dhamma books, these are reminders. So uh, we, and then we see each other also, and, and, and speaking to each other. It can be, sometimes there's obviously reminders about the things we need to do and the, the worldly things that need to be attended to. There's also the, the uh, reminders in relation to the path. So, you know, an important aspect of the path is to be open to receive feedback and admonishment, guidance, and um, if one isn't, then, then it slows the path down an awful lot, because then our sense of self gets to have things the way we want, or thinks it should be the way we want, or believes it should be the way we want, rather than recognizing there are many, many ways. And uh, if I get what I want, She's not going to get what she wants, so could be. So they're, they're learning how to recognise the the push and the pull of wanting to wanting things to be the way we think they should be, and then uh, being open to letting that go. This is I'm talking about um, you know at a home in small things in small matters and between each other. And uh, I was reflecting also on, on Independence Day, you know, and what that means to be independent, to be free from, essentially, it's, it, I think what it's pointing to is to be free from those who became oppressive. So for, for America, it was the British. So um, to be free from those who were making constraints that were no longer helpful, beneficial, that were exploitative even. And uh, at this time in the world now, it's like a very amazing time we're in, very chaotic and, and very amazing, um, where there's, first of all, obviously COVID, which is causing enormous changes to all of our lives. and. Uh, and then there's the, the huge and so far quite consistent uh, reaction against racism, against deeply ingrained systemic racism here and in the UK. I don't know about other countries, but I know that here and in the UK it's very, very alive and very strong, very powerful. And these um, images, you know, like these statues, which were once seen, you know, to 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 uh, white people in in positions of power and privilege were seen as their you know, great uh, heroes, and now being toppled because they are seen as oppressors. So I was reflecting on that. It's like, oh, is this a time when all of these metal statues, you know, big heavy metal symbols of oppression that have been a symbol of oppression to many people are being toppled, are being pulled down because there's a, a wish for a new, a new a new world order for want of a better phrase. And uh, it's a, an exciting time and a, and, a, and a chaotic time. 
um, and it has a sort of it has a sense of naturalness. It has a sense of like you know, this has been bubbling away for a long time, and now it's really starting to shift things that people are not letting this go back to sleep. So uh, you know, there's there's uh, I mean we we've been involved in local demonstrations and and uh, it for me it feels very important to be part of this it's not something i can say i'm just going to sit and meditate and let it go by although i could say that but it's not doesn't feel right to me to say that there's too much sense of like no i'm part of the creation of this in some way and i want to be part of the, of the deconstruction of it also and then that also applies to the inner experience and you know the buddha's always pointed to us like you know, as the outer so the inner as the inner so the outer and i can see with this these um systems of oppression that they're also there are also internal systems of oppression systems of oppression here yeah. and perhaps you might have them too um and they are you know familiar and uh, there's a certain comfort, perhaps, or it's not a comfortable comfort, but a but a familiar comfort. Um, and there's a certain sense of well, this is known, and the other is not known. So there's a wanting to lean. I mean, I don't really want to, but there can be a, a a wanting to lean back into what's known and and shy away from the the unknown. So it feels to me like an invitation, not just for changing outer structures, but also to look at, you know, what are the inner structures of oppression that we have here within our own hearts? You know, we can give very broad things like greed, hatred, and delusion, you know, we can have them just sort of throw that out. Yes, of course, and greed, hatred, and delusion, yes, that will be there. So those will be part of it, for sure. But they're very general, in general terms. And it's more useful to get specific. So really, so I feel like at this time, you know, I know that for some people, um, COVID has given more work than you had before, and for others, it's given more time. Um, but it is, you know, it's it's kind of keeping us at home, and hopefully in our lives we can make some time for very um, sincere introspection to really like look look within and, and to in, a, in, a, in an interested and curious way see um, you know, what is it that is, you know, do we have something, you know, is there something within you that is, that is holding you back, that's pulling you down, that's uh, keeping you stuck in, in old familiar patterns that perhaps you don't need anymore. <clears throat> so this is a, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not like a five minute exploration. <laughs> But it, and it's um, and it's maybe a little scary. It might be a little scary to to enter the territory. 
because we don't because it is inviting it's like to do that means we have to be okay with not knowing what's next you know who we are without those those uh, systems and that also is reflecting on the structure you know how structures are, are needed and, and useful and, and necessary and so structures of you know all kinds of structures get built structures of um, social structures and structures of relationship and structures of physical structures all kinds of things get get created and then sometimes you know those structures they can be really really supportive they can be amazingly helpful and supportive for a period of time and then they can come a time when they're no longer supportive so that might be that somebody can move out of the structure because it's no longer supportive, or it might be that the whole structure needs to fall apart. And then we don't know what's going to be next, and that's kind of a bit scary. It does feel a bit like we're in one of those times right now. And uh, so it's the same with the internal work. Now, there, there may be structures that you have used that are really useful, that have been good, and they may not be serving you anymore. And if they are still serving you, then great, you know, take care of them and, and use them well, that's, that's right. But if they're not, if they're keeping you um, too solid, too certain, too separate, then it's time to start to turn towards them and investigate them, tease them apart a bit and see what's holding that together, what's that there for. And if you're lucky enough to have good friends around, you can let them know what you're doing and, and ask them for help. They don't even, the wonders now, they don't even have to be nearby, you know, you can have a Zoom call with them. But it's, it's great if you have one or two friends who are really deep friends, good friends, who you trust and give you really kind of difficult feedback and it doesn't, you know, it's not cut, it doesn't hurt, or maybe it's the kind of hurt that is the growthful hurt, then uh, let, them know, let them know what you're doing and uh, work with them to help undo those old patterns of limitation. So that's, uh, for me, this, it feels like this is a time that's inviting that. Because if we're still using the same old harmful patterns or destructive patterns or limiting patterns, fear, anger, dominance, or um, dissociation, or any of those things, there's the various ways we uh, avoid or shrink back then uh, you know, we're not serving our own path fully and we're also in a way like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't allow a, a, like the free flow of energy that can be there when we're not all blocked up with all of those things. And uh, for me, the, the Noble Eightfold Path is a, a beautiful tool or a beautiful framework, speaking of structures, is a beautiful framework for investigating what's going on. 
and uh, you know you might you might want to you know each of us will have something different you know, or or even if it's the same thing it'll be you know from a different perspective so it's a very individual work but uh, I think the Eightfold Path is a beautiful guide and the first um, fold of the path of, of the Four Noble Truths is and understanding impermanence is uh, uh, gives us a, a very practical way of transforming stuckness. We see, we see how the, the suffering is being created, and we first we feel it, but then we recognise how it's being created, and then we let go. We find out how to let go of the cause of dukkha, and then uh, um, right thought, you know, thoughts of um, renunciation, thoughts of non-harm and non-ill will. So something I sometimes use like as a mantra, with a little bit of a question, thoughts of renunciation, thoughts of non-harm, non-ill will. And then just seeing like, what, what, what is the mind doing? Is it just ruminating over things, grumbling about things, and criticizing, and being you know, greedy about this or that? Or, and then, so what would it be like for the mind to be Having thoughts of renunciation, thoughts of letting go, thoughts of putting down. What would it be like to be having thoughts of um, harm, wishing that all beings be free from harm, any intention to harm? And what would it be like to have thoughts of metta, good wishes? And it's like it makes the invitation for the mind to change. And then the, that supports right speech. So for me, right speech has sort of popped up as a hello. <laughs> this is the way you need to do some work, you know. And uh, it's like, oh, okay. This is a very big piece of work. It's like, a, a, not, not that this is new, and of course, I have done a certain amount of work in the past. But it's uh, it's like oh you know, and, and there's another level of work that needs to be done here that that's, and it's time for this. So you know you you may find there may be something for you that's even something that's very ordinary and something that's is not not new or something that's uh, that you thought you'd you'd done already and you were kind of good with. And this, the spiral has come back around to that place again where it, it needs some more work. You may have something to And uh, But I'd like to invite everyone who's on this call to spend some time to look, you know, and, and not just to look at what's wrong and what needs to be fixed, because it's not about becoming a perfect person. We never get there. But uh, to appreciate all the work that is done and to appreciate the good that's here, to see that. And also that's that, that good friend, if you have the good friend, you can ask them also to you know, tell you something good <laughs> if they don't volunteer it. So that we can see what's good here, you know, just look at what's missing and what's wrong. And then within that context, to see like, oh, and what needs to be developed? So the... the um, Asala Puja is the day before the, our rains retreat, our Vasa, three month Vasa. 
And often the latter is a time to pick up a practice in particular and to really take care around it. And also for us, it's also the time to go more deeply into the Vinaya. So it could be for you a time to look at the precepts and how you live them and how they support you and how they and where they're difficult for you and to really just take them on a little more deeply. So it's a, it's a training, it's a developing, it's a letting go. So I'd like to offer that. Get this something useful and open up for if people have any questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.